When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Minnesota sports fans, we know all too well how it feels to sign up for a lifetime of purple pain. Welcome to Before We Die with Jesse and Thor on Purple Daily and Score North. What's going on, everybody? Ross, is that another new intro that we have for Before We Die? Purple pain. I'm digging it. We're keeping you on your toes. You know, keeping it interesting. This is, of course, Before We Die, I'm Jesse Pierce. That's Thor Nystrom. That's Ross Brendel. We're here to talk Minnesota Vikings on Purple Daily and Score North. Plenty to talk about, guys. Nick Mullins comes to the Minnesota Vikings from the Las Vegas Raiders for a conditional 2024 draft pick. Uh, Had started 16 games for the San Francisco 49ers between 2018 and 2020. Basically, like we have talked about on past episodes of Before We Die, Clearly the Vikings brass not impressed with their current QB two situation being Sean Mannion or Kellen Mond. Um, You know, Mond had two interceptions in a 17, seven loss on Saturday to the 49ers and between him and Mannion combined for 20 of 35 complete passes for 147 yards Thor, are we surprised? And what do we think of Nick Mullins? No, we're not surprised at all. Uh, You know, we, we had mentioned on previous episodes that the Vikings did not have a backup quarterback and now they have a legitimate backup quarterback in Nick Mullins. You know, the, the last time the Vikings went to the NFC Championship game, they were led by, of course, a Southern Mississippi quarterback. <laughs> and now they they just acquired another one, now, you know, in, in August, just like the, the last time they acquired a Southern Mississippi quarterback. And Nick Mullins, interestingly enough, broke all of Brett Favre's records at Southern Miss. So it's it's kind of interesting, both the single season ones and then also the, the career records. He doesn't have the the arm that, that Brett Favre does, or you know the the, the physical uh, tools, anything like that. But uh, there's there's things that Nick Mullins can do. You know he has functional accuracy, and you know he he's sort of that prototypical game manager type. So if, if Kirk Cousins goes down, they're just going to ask him to you know function within the offense and hit the open receivers, and he's he's going to do that better than the two guys that that, that they currently had for that. So I right. this, it's not the best day for Mond and Mannion, but. It's a good day for Vikings fans. Well, and for all intents and purposes, Kevin O'Connell and everybody on the team was trying to give Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond this opportunity to step in and said, hey, it's either one of your guys' chance and neither of them were able to do it. Kellen Mond, two interceptions, as I mentioned, um, just didn't look great. And Sean Mannion, you were going to get what you were going to get out of him, which wasn't impressive either. How frustrated do you think those two players are right now that uh, they've got this other guy stepping in and saying, hey, it's probably my job? Well, I, I don't think they can be frustrated because both of them got ample opportunities to steal that or to win that job. Ample, ample opportunities, not not just this preseason, but going back to last year. And we saw it over and over again. They they failed to do so. 
And, you know, and, and, and going back to the, the last game, it, it was sort of the, the de jour performances of both the guys, like the greatest hits that we had seen of them, you know, just of their body of work, right? Like with Mannion, he had 15 passes. And, and if you look at his, you know, the PFF charting of his game, of those 15 passes, he didn't have a, a turnover-worthy throw, which is great. He didn't have a big-time throw either, right? It was the same thing of, like, he's not throwing the ball beyond five yards, you know, beyond the line of scrimmage. And then with, with Kellen Mond, it was the thing of just missing open receivers, right? The, the, the risk aversion thing that, that we have talked about, the, the, the lack of field vision and, and, and stuff like that. And then making weird decisions uh, with the ball as well. He had, he had the weird thing too, where he was like floating the ball and, and, and different stuff like that, putting the ball in harm's way. I, I think he had three turnover worthy throws, even though he didn't mm-hmm. have a, a whole gamut of them. Uh, it was a really, really, really poor performance by Mond where he he had, you know, the, the previous game, he had actually, the, the first one, he had actually put himself in contention to win the, the backup job, which I did not think that he had any shot to do coming into this preseason. And he uh, stole defeat from the jaws of victory with, with this past performance leading to that trade. I think what this shows, Jesse and Thor, is that the Vikings probably did above almost maybe all value having some game experience in that locker room. Sean Mannion, only a handful of games in the NFL starts. That is Kellen Mond still none, just small experience at that in that green Bay game in Lambeau, you know, Nick Mullins has started almost a season's worth of games in the NFL. So I, I, that had to be something that they value a 66% career passer. That's good to know if he has to step in and play. And if you're Nick Mullins, my goodness, you got to be really excited knowing that, boy, if Kirk Cousins goes down, I got a really dang good roster I'm going to get to hopefully move up and down the field with. So he has to welcome this opportunity too. not saying he'll even get one. But mm-hmm. if he does, he has to be excited about the roster that he gets to throw the ball to and hand the ball off to. Do you see Nick Mullins playing against the Denver Broncos? Now it's a quick turnaround to ask the quarterback to learn this entire new system, this whole new offense. Is he going to be able to be ready come Saturday when the Vikings play against the Broncos? Or do you think uh, not quite yet? He better be. And yes, I mean, it, it's the last preseason game and they are counting on him to be the quarterback too. So he he better be. And yes, you, you will see him out there because that he needs to function in, in that role this coming season. And, and just as far as, uh, you know, Nick Mullins, I, I think people can think of him as like, you know, with, um, you know, like with the twins, you know, you, you have, you have pitchers on that team, like, um, you know, like a, a Devin, uh, what's his name? How do you pronounce it? Schmelzer. You know, you like, know me. like, I'm not great at name pronunciation. Come on. Smeltzer. Smeltzer. <laughs> well, okay. Like, Smeltzer. you know, like, and, 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 you know, for me with, with the twins, it, it's going back to guys like, um, Blackburn and Scott Baker. We've had all these guys where they're guys like junk ballers, but they they have good control and they they they, they uh, induce contact, and you have good defenses behind them. They 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 induce contact. The, the the hitters put the ball in play, and then you're you're counting on the defense to convert balls in into outs. That's what I think of Nick Mullins as. He he has he's going to have a really good supporting cast around him with the Vikings. You just want him to put the ball on the receiver's hands, Justin Jefferson, uh, Adam Thielen, Osborne, and then, you know, of course, Cook and stuff like that. 
That's all the the Viking staff wanted Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond to do. They were begging them, like, we have so many good players. Just hit these guys on the hands within 10 yards. Like, we don't need you to be Kirk Cousins. We yeah. just need you to, you know, to, to, to function, to be competent. And that, that's what Nick Mullins is going to do. And you get him for the low, low price of a conditional seventh-round pick. It doesn't even vest unless he is – he he must be active on week one you know, if he is, then we give him a seventh round pick. If he doesn't make the team, we give him nothing. So, you know, a bargain basement price. And again, that's what he's going to give you. You're asking for the bare minimum, like you mentioned. Let's continue on some of this preseason talk. Uh, we do have Eric Edholm of NFL.com joining us in just a little bit to particularly discuss some rookies. But I want to keep with what we saw uh, against the 49ers. More sloppy offense, though. Some drop passes, turnovers. I wasn't that much more excited, I guess you would say. Again, some good things, but I still, there was a lot to be desired for me, Thor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes where there's, in, in the preseason, you're looking to unpack individual performances, whereas in the season, you know, it's, it's more about the, the team performance, right? And and so, yeah, I mean, there there was, you know, in this game, there was less of the positive uh, individual performances, although we we did have some, uh, very notable exceptions. Mm -hmm. T.Y. McGill was yes. Let's do it. Let's go awesome. into that too. Yeah, was absolutely awesome, and he is having a dominant preseason. This yeah. is a guy who has played now for nine different NFL teams in like only like five years since it's coming a out. Journeyman, of, yeah, absolutely. Like the literal definition, literal of, definition of a journeyman. Of, of, of journeyman. He had five pressures and two sacks uh, against the 49ers. And he has had way more than that. Just, you know, if you combine the, the, the he's two He's had games. four sacks over six quarters. Incredible. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he, he is making this team and he is going to be a part of the rotation. What a find uh, T.Y. McGill has been. Um, you also have to shout out uh, Wyatt Davis, who, who he, I mean, we were already right, writing Wyatt Davis's obituary. He may have played his way back onto the bubble. Um, and Austin Schlotman had, had a very good game as well. Um, I, I had to get that out of the way before we get to the the, the bad stuff. Um, Zach Davidson, uh, who I have wanted to be bullish on, he had a rough one. Uh, dropped three different balls against the 49ers. That it was. Uh, I was a tough performance by Zach Davidson. Um, and I know you wanted to talk about Oliudo. Oliudo, uh, not not great, not good at all. Your boy did not have did not yeah. acquit himself very well against the 49ers. And you know, when you compare him to some of the other, I just mentioned two of the other offensive linemen who, you know, are also competing for jobs, who played well, and then Oli did not play as well. Um, you know, according to PFF, he sur Oli surrendered four different pressures. Um, he was consistently getting beat. You're starting to do the the now, especially heading into your last preseason game, you're starting to do the roster math a bit getting beat that many times uh, was not a good day for Oliudo. No. And I would not be surprised if he does not make this roster. I mean, I mean, it just, it did. It really, really hurt him. Um, another positive though, Jonathan Bullard. I thought he had a fantastic game too. Um, again, the defense continues. There's no concerns really there, right? Like we continue to be impressed and impressed. What do the Vikings need to do? I mean, again, is it still refining different things, fine tuning different things? How do they get better, especially heading into this final preseason game against Denver? Yeah, you just have to figure out the final roster spot, guys. Right? Like, and 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 I think you know the the trade for the backup quarterback thing. It it, it shows that that the head is in the right place for management. That they're going to do what they need to do 
as far as the the roster goes because the you know what what we didn't want to see is you know that that they're going to take unnecessary chances mm-hmm. either you know trade too much uh to, to to fill a spot you give up too much future equity or take unnecessary risks one you know the, the other way whatever um that was a smart decision i i thought they made you know you trade a seventh round pick that that's totally fine to to, to, to fill that thing um and and then we'll see the the way that that, that these play out the, these final competitions but it, it, it's really fascinating right like the the, the different three-dimensional chess games that are going on because you know in in my heart of hearts i sort of think that zach davidson is worth the developmental stab long term because I, I I like his receiving ability, but then you know you see he he's continually struggled you know in in, in camp you see him drop three passes in the second preseason game he, he's already been in the NFL for a little bit then you start to wonder the other way uh, you know a guy like Oliudo we've he's been developed for a while he, he gets licked on on you know in, in the last game. So yeah, yeah, you're just wondering how how that stuff's going to play out. You're wondering now, are they starting to believe in Wyatt Davis a little bit more? Could he now sneak in? We'll see the way it plays out. We'll see how it plays out with some of these rookies as well. We already teased it, Ed Ed Holm of NFL.com, or Eric, excuse me. I like Ed Holm. Ed, Eric Ed Holm. Sorry, Eric, joining us. He took a quick peek in. We got to see you briefly. So thank you, Eric, for taking the time to uh, chat a little bit Vikings with us here on Before We Die. Absolutely. I'm sorry I couldn't make it work the other day. And, and you can call me anything. I'm, I'm just happy to be here. I, I've been, you know, they've been calling me Ed since high school. So this is, I didn't even blink. So there you go. E squared. I almost like that's E right. squared too, right? That works. Yes. You know, great to have you on here with us again. I know you're the rookie expert with NFL.com. Let's start with a linebacker, Brian Asamoah. What are your thoughts on him? How do you like how he's looked through camp and, and through the, the game action he's seen? Yeah, I haven't been able to obviously see him as much as, as you guys have uh, probably up close. But Brian was a, a I was a big fan. I, I probably liked him more than most people did. I just sort of felt like this is a player who may have fallen a little bit under the radar. Granted, the size wasn't, you know, huge. I mean, obviously, that was one of the considerations for him where you say to yourself, maybe it doesn't fit in every system or there's a specific role he'd have to play in certain schemes. But no, very productive, consistent player, you know, over three years at Oklahoma. And, you know, I, even though he struggled at times to take on blocks, he was a player who I just felt like with his speed and his instincts always seemed to arrive at the ball at the right time and you know, led the team in tackles a couple times. He just was a, a highly productive player, but one you didn't get a lot of buzz about during the draft cycle last this past year. So, you know, I, again, I just sort of watched him and, and felt like, you know, maybe I'm a little higher on him than other people. And again, having not really seen him other than, you know, bits and pieces of preseason and stuff, I, I, I can't really comment on that. But, you know, I, I, the size didn't really concern me all that much. I felt like he had enough enough take on strength, enough ability to elude blockers and that sort of thing to, you know, to find a role in time. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like you're going to be vindicated at home if, if early <laughs> uh, yeah, indications are, are, are any indication because he's getting rave reviews. Good. I, I want to take a flashback to, to draft day. As you know, the, the Vikings ended up uh, sort of passing on, on Kyle Hamilton in a, in a roundabout way by, by trading down. The, the trade that they made with the Lions was, was sort of panned just in, in, a, in a value perspective. You look at the, the traditional charts, but they ended up getting – uh, two defensive backs that, that they really liked, and they ended up getting awesome value, again, looking at the traditional trade charts. In the second trade they made, a second trade with a divisional rival as well, uh, the Christian Watson trade with, with the, the Packers, um, I, I'm curious what you thought um, 
both of, of the, the two trades they made, the, those decisions, and then also the two players that they ended up with, uh, the defensive backs, and, and addressing the, the, the secondary need uh, in Louis Seen and Andrew Booth. Yeah, I was probably of the two actually higher on on scene than Booth. Uh, you know, different positions, apples and oranges, and all that. But I was a big Lewis Scene fan. I mean, I gave the the Vikings a very good grade. I think for their you know the immediate reaction draft grade, I want to say it was a B plus. I can't remember off the top of my my head, but um, you know. Scene's production, I think coming into the last season, a lot of people said, hey, really, you know, nice player, but let's see him make some more plays on the ball. He did that. He only had one pick, but I think he had like 10 or 12 passes defended. It was a star-studded Georgia defense that can, you know, inflate a prospect's uh, perceived vet worth or, or, or talent. It can also maybe hide some things, but I, I, those didn't concern me, especially after he worked out and we saw he was a, a supreme athlete. Um, you know, with enough length, obviously the athletic qualities, he can run like crazy, uh, you know, a little on the leaner side too, kind of like we were talking with Asamoah, maybe you want a little more, you know, thickness, but again, he's a safety who can play deep. So that's not as a big a concern, at least for me, but rangy, instinctive, finally felt like he was, you know, really coming into his own last year. And, you know, and especially in the playoff games, I think you saw him maybe take on a little bit of a, a bigger role. You know, Booth was was really interesting to me. I, I, I again, I wasn't quite as enamored with with him as others were, but you know, there's no question that he was a, a super talented guy with you know the right length. You know, maybe had he run a 40 yard dash, we'd have seen him go higher. Um, but but this is a player who, you know, started making more plays as well too. I would say you know it was probably his best playmaking season 2021. Clemson didn't have the kind of uh, spotlight year that we normally see out of them even though they had a very good season by mere mortal standards so uh maybe some people overlooked that you know there were little things here and there i know he got banged up in the preseason game uh there was a little bit of hot and cold on his tape there's no doubt that you know instincts needed to be refined there were some times when he would bite on moves and and jump routes and you know you, you just felt like he could be the kind of player that you could throw in there as a rookie but maybe you have to live with a mistake or two along the way. The, the, the physical talent is good enough to play. The mental part of it, you know, will, will come along. So that's kind of how I viewed him as, as a prospect. And it, it was a mixed bag of a cornerback group. It wasn't quite as strong as I thought it would end up being. Uh, but, you know, he ended up far closer to the top of, of my favorites than he, than he was the, the, the middle portion or anything like that. So, you know, once I feel like he – kind of gets a feel for for the scheme and gets more comfortable and i know they've obviously given him plenty of reps this uh this summer you know i i think he's going to end up being pretty darn good but i but i saw him more as a, a cornerback too than a than a true number one i guess if i had to you know kind of rate his ceiling a little bit right i think there's another rookie making waves who has basically in my opinion earned the starting position for right guard, which is probably very crazy considering the Minnesota Vikings signed Jesse Davis in the offseason. We're hoping that that would be his honor. But Ed Ingram has made every case to be the Minnesota Vikings starter. Would you agree? And does that surprise you at all that he has earned his his way up into that starting position as a rookie? It does a little bit. You know, I I, I knew some folks with the prior uh, LSU staff and, and they, you know, they always talked about how talented a, a guy he was. He had some, you know, uh, obviously he had his – uh, fingerprints on on some of the national championship season. He had started as a as a true freshman before that. Uh, I, I, there was a disciplinary issue that that kept him off the field for a year. 
you know, he played mostly on the interior. So there were some, some things that, that held you back from loving him. Um, but there, there was clearly talent there and enough length for, for uh, not a massive guard, but somebody with, with an, I would say, you know, the arm length, the wingspan uh, was enough to the point where you felt like, you know, the, his violent style, that length, I think good athleticism overall. I would say you, he rates you know, on the higher end there. You know, it makes, you know, perfect sense that he would step in and be ready to play. I and mean, this is a guy who's, you know, I want to say closer to 24 uh, than he is 23 at this point. So obviously some experience mixed in with some really nice athletic ability. I thought he went way higher than I expected. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would have guessed he got picked 25 or 40 picks lower or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the Vikings clearly saw a fit and like what they saw. I know he did get worked by uh, Javon Kinlaw on that one uh, uh, pass rush move there this weekend. But, you know, from everything I've read and, you know, what you guys are saying, it sounds like he's fit in quite nicely. And I just had a feeling this would be a good draft class. You know, even mm-hmm. if it was a foundational one, I felt like the Vikings did find a lot of useful players and guys who, you know, obviously had the traits they were looking for. Right. No, at home, the last time we did a show, it was at the senior ball. And you did a nod to the fact that I was, uh, that I'm a KU grad by <laughs> shouting out Kyron, Kyron Johnson down yeah. there. So I, w- I want to do the favor back to you and ask you a question about a Caleb Evans, the, yep. the, the, the great Missouri grad, uh, a fourth round pick by, by the Vikings going back to the, the secondary. What, what do you think about his game? And is he a guy that you think can be a long-term contributor in the Vikings secondary? Yeah, Missouri transfer, I mean, or Tulsa transfer to Missouri or whatever. And, uh, you know, he was a player who, you know, probably coming into the year I knew less about than his this teammate who transferred there. And, and uh, you know, I, I probably didn't have quite a, enough of an appreciation of his man coverage ability until I saw it, you know, a few different games early in the year, Central Michigan. Uh, you know, I want to say at one point they had him on on you know, Plimpton, you know, they had him on quicker guys, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, so he's got good length, you know, I mean, I think, I think he was 32 inch arms, you know, I think he was, I want to say he was six foot two or something like that. So, you know, the, the length obviously excites you a little bit. Didn't make many plays in college. I mean, that was probably the biggest thing he had one, you know, a couple of times where he saw, showed some nice recovery speed. The Kentucky game comes to mind. Um, there was one more that I watched on him. And again, senior ball, I wouldn't say he had like a, an amazing week or anything. And fourth round was about where most teams had him. So the value was, you know, right on par with about the league value. But, um, you know, even with the, the lack of, of ball skills, or at least, you know, it's not like we, we had a lot of examples of him in college. Maybe that's something that develops. But again, kind of the same thing we we're talking about with, with Ingram. He's played a lot of football. You know, and even though injuries were an issue at Tulsa, I mean, when he was out there, he looked the part and looked like a, uh, you know, a, a future NFL player, whether it was, you know, as a bottom of the roster guy or as a guy who potentially could crack the starting lineup at some point. But, you know, the, the eye test certainly is passed there. Uh, I know that, you know, teams didn't test him as much as they did other parts of the field last year. And, um, you know, when you can run the ball and Mizzou the way teams did early in the year, why would you even bother throwing, right? I got to take a little shot at my own school, but you said it, not me. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're not at Kansas's level yet. No, right. Yeah. No, but it was, uh, it was a good, you know, one year and he played most of the season. I mean, that was the biggest thing after, you know, a string of, you know, little minor injuries that held him back previously. 
Again, joining us now, Eric Edholm from NFL.com. Another player that Minnesota Vikings fans are ecstatic on, very high on, and I believe front office is as well, rookie running back Ty Chandler. I mean, again, another guy that's just absolutely exploded. I think Madden even has him ranked as one of the fastest rookie running backs yeah. in the game, which is awesome. I mean, is are Vikings fans, do they have every reason to be excited about him and, and potential ceiling that he has? Because, again, as a rookie, you know that he's only going to get better and better as he develops into his NFL game. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, I, I you know, he obviously kind of has that that second gear, and you can see that, and the testing speed backed it up and everything. And, you know, it was almost to the point where, you know, he was maybe a little bit under underrated in the, in the process and, and got lost a little bit in the shuffle because – you know, he's not a huge back, obviously, and then speed's kind of his game. You might think that would translate to more of a, uh, you know, a third down type of role. But, you know, he was he was a productive three down back when asked to be so. And, you know, quietly had a very good season last year. I don't, you know, obviously people kind of got off North Carolina early on and, you know, may have forgotten a little bit. Another experienced player got to be at least, I would say, what? I mean, he had five years in college. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the fact that he was only really – a true one year starter, you know, he came from Tennessee where he was a part-time guy would always, you know, have production on, on a per snap basis and, you know, had some special teams plays too, but never seemed to get the full load there, at least the the starting duties uh, most commonly. So it, it was kind of an interesting early career uh, in college for him. And then last year really seemed to come in his own into an offense that was very productive for, uh, you know, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, et cetera, before that. So, you know, the, the, the frame makes me think that he's probably suited for more of a complimentary role. And mm-hmm. I'd love to see obviously some of that special teams ability come out, but yeah, I mean, he was, I, I felt like he did kind of get a little bit lost in the shuffle given his, his long speed and, and what he can, you know, do in terms of creating angles that are tough for defenders to, to, to catch up to. Right. The Vikings took Asesi Atomwo uh, in the late rounds, a, a guy, a local kid, a guy with length, a guy with an explosive first step. A lot of the rest of it, they're they're working out. Obviously, he's a project. Do you think that there's anything there? Who was the? I'm sorry. Who was the player? Asesi Atomwo from the Gulfs. Asesi, what was the name? Atomwo from the Gulfs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say. I, you know, I I don't know if he's gonna have a. a a, a full, you know, obviously they took him what the fifth like round the or something fifth like or that. Sixth, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Late, yeah. The length and size were really impressive. Uh, you know, it was a player that I didn't get to see a ton of last year, but you know enough to know that that you know physically speaking he should be in pretty good shape. So um, you know, hard to really know. I mean, I I would say that the the prototypic prototypical body is really impressive. You know, the athleticism was maybe a little bit lacking at times. I felt like he looked a little heavy, a little sluggish at times, but, you know, I, I felt like, you know, what I saw was that he locked out pretty well, used his hands, disengaged, things like that. Another kind of an older player that, you know, may have uh, not gotten the some of the praise he deserved, but at the same time, I, you know, based on what I knew of him, which was, you know, kind of a limited ceiling, which is why you saw him on day three. But, you know, I, I, you guys have obviously seen more of him than I have since he's arrived. And, um, you know, I don't, you know, I, hard to know exactly where he fits, but I know obviously with that kind of length and, you know, would fit into more of a five technique kind of role, I would imagine. I don't know exactly how they're using him, but that's kind of how I viewed him was more of an odd front defensive, you know, lineman that could, you know, pretty be a pretty good workhorse up front. 
We talked about the struggles of Ole Udo uh, earlier on in this segment, and one player that's looking to maybe unseat Udo for a spot is Darian Lowe out of Illinois. Yeah. What do you know about him? Are you familiar? And again, is he another player for me? He's one that seems a little bit surprising to have done so well in a rookie training game. I actually thought he could. He could be. Uh, was he? Was he ended up drafted by the by the Vikings? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, I, I kind of wondered where he'd go, and I figured he was a day three pick. Um, another player with experience. I mean, he played both tackle positions, primarily the, le- primarily the left side. But, you know, it's rare to find a player with as many starts at left tackle as he had for Illinois coming into the to, to call, or coming into the NFL, I should say. Um, and, you know, really not be considered anything kind of special as a prospect. But, you know, good length, great experience. You know, I thought you know, kind of held his own and, and did a nice job there. It wasn't he was hardly dominant and, and it was, it was a little bit boring watching him at times, but as we know, that can be a good thing for a tackle. He just sort of <laughs> did his job for the most part and, and didn't do it in a, in a super flashy way. I mean, yeah, the, the, the athletic traits, I don't think are anything tremendous, but you know, uh, he did well. They, they ran kind of a, a, a zone run game there at times. And, you know, he got up out enough on the move to, to show he could fit in that kind of a system. Um, you know, I thought that, the better pass rushers could, could get a step on him. And that was probably my biggest concern, but mm-hmm. yeah, I saw him as a kind of an ideal swing tackle. Assume he could relearn that right side. Um, and you have to have a quality left tackle. You'd rather have, a, I think as your swing tackle, a, a backup left tackle, somebody who's had a lot more experience on that side, um, you know, who can learn the right tackle as opposed to the other way around. Some people may see it differently, but you know, that's, that's kind of what I viewed him as being. And um, yeah, I, I thought they ended up getting, you know, a, a pretty good uh, experienced football player who, who might be able to contribute. Right. Last one for you at home. And thanks so much for coming out with us of course. To, talk, to talk Vikings rookies. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't finish off the, the whole cycle of Vikings uh, uh, draft picks. The, the last two guys, Jalen Naylor and and Nick Muse, uh, you know, a, a couple guys on, on the outside skill guys. Uh, Naylor, obviously, from Michigan State, uh, drew some buzz early on, you know, speed guy, uh, athletic guy. Um, and then Nick Muse, the, the tight end from South Carolina. Do you have any thoughts on, on those two guys? Yeah, I mean, Naylor was, you know, he'd obviously make these kind of splash plays, you know, whether it was, you know, rushing touchdowns uh, as a receiver you know, some stuff on special teams, et cetera. I mean, he was, he obviously opened some eyes with some big playability, but, um, you know, outside of that, was he a complete receiver? I don't know. There were some injury issues with him too. I don't think he played, you know, I mean, more than seven or eight games in a season while he was there. So there, there was a limit to that because he has a thinner frame. And even though he added some weight before his pro day, I believe, I want to say he bulked up to like 190 something. Um, you know, I didn't know that he could, you know, be a full-time receiver. I felt like he had to have some other aspect of his game, whether it was returning punts, being used, uh, you know, in the special teams coverage units, you know, occasionally taking end arounds, things like that. Uh, and also stay healthy was the biggest thing. I mean, that, that really was probably the, the the biggest concern I would say for him, a little thinner frame guy, but a nice football player who had some, some big moments there. Um, yeah. The, the muse boys uh, <laughs> were, were, were pretty good athletes in college and, and uh, you know, pretty nice football players. Um, you know, I would say 
there was really nothing remarkable about Nick Muse in college that I noticed anyway. I mean, I thought he was a good functional tight end. I mean, you know, if I recall, he made some more plays downfield than, than you might expect for a bigger guy, you know, somebody who's in the 250, 260 range. But, you know, other than that, it was hard to tell too, because South Carolina changed quarterbacks, you know, every couple of years. And I think he, he was a transfer, right? He came from somewhere, somewhere lower, I want to say. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, the last couple of years, I think you saw a really nice, solid tight end with, you know, good athleticism, but but nothing, you know, transcendent or anything like that. And, um, yeah, I would say he, he sort of profiles as a good, solid third tight end if he can make the team. I love it. Eric at home again with NFL.com. Thank you so much for joining us, breaking it down, some of these rookie players. Uh, where can people find your work and give you a follow? Yeah, NFL.com. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but yeah, I'm doing a lot of preseason <laughs> stuff right now, dipping my toe into the college stuff a little. The seniors and the top underclassmen and uh, jumping on shows with good people like you guys. Hey, we like it. I want yeah. you to really uh, keep an eye on those Iowa State Cyclones for me. Hopefully that they will continue no problem. to just d- dominate. Not the Iowa Hawkeyes. Nobody likes them. So No, no of course not. Right. Yeah, will McDonald the fourth. I mean, we'll start right there. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. Well, thanks again, Eric. We'll be talking to you, I'm sure, throughout the course of the season. Looking forward to it. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Again, Eric at home with NFL.com. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Before We Die. However, before we let you go, we have our Before We Die end of segment. What do we got to call it? Our little thing. It's our thing. Our walk-off. Our walk-off touchdown. Our walk-off touchdown. All right. So, Ross, I know you said you had one geared up, ready to go. Let's why don't you kick it off? Yeah, for those of us here in the great state of Minnesota, it is state fair week. So my before we die, the Minnesota State Fair will be a 14-day, two-week run. It's going to happen. It's only a matter of time. Before we die, the Minnesota State Fair will be two weeks long. Could you handle that considering how often you have to be out? Like, think of all the radio people that have to be out there so long. No, I'll quit. I'm just letting everybody know I'll quit. There you go. You will find us out at the Minnesota State Fair. We will be with Score North Saturday morning. So mark your calendars, or at least I will. I think Thor's too cool, but like I'll be there because I don't have much of a life. So <laughs> I'm just out here catching strays. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's wow. what I do. That's that's what I bring to this whole thing. You wow. bring like the takes and I just bring the funny. It's so. peer pressure. We like <laughs> the peer pressure. Exactly. Uh Thor, what about you? What's your before we die? My before we die is you know the thing of like where the team has has extras at a roster spot, like the Raiders did with a quarterback, and then we give them a pick for for more. In the next couple of weeks, I want a team to give us a pick for a position we have too many players, and we're going to cut a guy. I want I want picks for the guys we're going to cut before okay. we we before in two weeks. That's what All I, right. I, give us your picks for the players we're going to cut. I like it. Drop That's those down in the comments. I think before we die, we are going to see, you know how they're wearing the concussion caps during practice. I think you're going to see oh, those yeah. in, uh, in Th- those games. Are on, those, insta- the, 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 it was like a, a co-star of Hard Knocks in the last it episode was, of those things. Well, and I went to my first training camp last week, you know, and I saw them and I was like, what, what Wait, is you, happening you, you here? You were at Vikings training camp I was at week? Vikings training camp hey, thanks, thanks for no, the invite. No problem. 
album anytime. You wouldn't have showed anyway. You didn't show the recordings. You just unbelievable. Uh... <laughs> well, you know, Ross hadn't come to the previous one, and I knew he thought we were going to replace him. So I figured I'm I'd the let only him have some I'm time. the only constant of this show, clearly, and people I'm sure hate that, but you're stuck <laughs> with me uh, again. This is before we die on Purple Daily and Score North. We appreciate all of you. I'm Jesse Pierce. He's Thor Nystrom. He's Ross Brendel. You can catch us every Monday and Thursday. Give it our Vikings takes, whether you like them or not, you must like them if you comment and you're here. So we appreciate you. Uh, don't be, don't forget to check out all the Purple Daily content, all the Score North content, including hockey, football, all the good sports here in Minnesota. We appreciate you. Have a good day.